Super Talk Mississippi media production. Have you been seriously injured? Mama Justice is here for you. Our medical team partners with top-notch doctors, surgeons, therapists, and urologists, ensuring a comprehensive recovery journey. If you've been injured, call Mama Justice today. We're here for you. This is Rebecca Turner, and thank you for listening to the Good Things Podcast here on Super Talk Mississippi. It's Mississippi's Radio Happy Hour. Well, I'm going to Mississippi. Mississippi, here I come. You're listening to Good Things with Rebecca Turner. Well, I'm going to Mississippi. Mississippi, here I come. Bringing you the good stories of Mississippi's people, places, and things to do. Now, now, here's Rebecca. Good afternoon, Super Talk Mississippi. You are tuned into your radio happy hour. That's the good things. I'm your host, Rebecca Turner. We've got Rhino in studio today. Now, don't forget, you can listen to good things. We are streaming live over at supertalk.fm. We're also streaming from the Super Talk Mississippi app, if you've got that downloaded. And you can always find us, too, on your local Super Talk Mississippi radio station. And don't forget, you can watch good things. We are on your computer or your mobile device. Just head on over to supertalktv.com. And I thought we'd kick off today with a little bit of a congratulations to a few Mississippians who have, I guess, gotten a high honor. You got Miss Naomi Taylor. She was crowned the 2023 Mississippi Songwriter of the Year. That takes a lot of talent. You can read more about that over at supertalk.fm. She was one of 15 finalists for the award to perform Saturday night, last Saturday night, at the historic Ells Theater and Ellis Theater in downtown Philadelphia. She's a Pearl native, and she performed her song, Roots, and she's got a pretty cool prize package. If you want to read more about that, we're going to try to get Naomi on to share a little bit more about her songwriting in the future, along with Miss Hannah Pairing, which she is your new Miss Mississippi. Well, she was your, she is your. I don't know how does that work. She was your, is your <laughs> 2023. Well, they Miss don't give it to the backup if you move <laughs> So I was like, Miss Mississippi Volunteer of 2023, and now she's your Miss Volunteer America for 2024. So how does that work if you win during your crowned year? You usually go by the higher honor, but you retain the title of the uh, state honor. Ah, okay. So you just have two jobs. So that's pretty much pretty much. All right. I see how that I, I think I think Well, you know, I'm not an expert in pageantry. <laughs> no, it's not on your resume. No. That's not something you uh, dove deep into. OK, well, I've also arranged to hope have Anna, Hannah on soon. So hopefully she can help us uh, better understand. But congratulations to her for becoming Miss Volunteer America uh, for the upcoming year. She's a graduate of the University of uh, Mississippi. So a lot of good things going on. What's not so good are shots were fired between two family members, not those kind, but on grits. And I was actually thumbing through my um timeline earlier and i saw two cousins going at each other over pepper salt and pepper versus sugar and their grits and they were having a good time it's absolutely uh i would say with a grain of salt but you may not lend that way or a grain of sugar not sure and i thought here we are again where food is once dividing us in the most cutthroat um cutthroat ways in the best ways possible it's not grits day it's not any of that some of you may had some this morning but i thought huh i wonder what the masses think i really have never given too much thought about the perfect bowl of grits i like them but some of you are very passionate about your grits so are you team salt pepper rhino are you team sugar in your grits 
I really don't have a preference. I look at grits as a palatable blank canvas, and they can go either way, and I'm fine with them either way. Because, I mean, you think about it. Well, I'll say this. If I've got cheesy grits mm-hmm. or shrimp and grits, then I'm going to add a little salt and pepper probably, unless they're seasoned well. Because adding sugar to that seems a little weird. But if I've just got grits with a little butter, I may put a little sugar in there, especially if I don't have anything else sweet with breakfast. Because, I mean, think about breakfast. That's the time of the day where you tend to have sweet things included Uh with the meal itself instead of being a dessert or an afterthought. Mm -hmm. Because you've got toast with jam Jam. or jelly or marmalade. You've got biscuits with jam or jelly. You've got pancakes or waffles with syrup. So... I can see the, the argument for sweet grits being the, the sweet portion of your breakfast. But if you're doing grits any other way, like I said, with cheesy grits or shrimp and grits or something or bacon and grits, probably wouldn't add sugar to that. Ricky in Aberdeen says salt, pepper, and butter. Someone else mentioned Creole seasoning and cheese. Some of you have never tried it with sugar, but grit casserole with sausage and cheese is the best way to have your grits. I, you know, I was sitting here thinking, I'm sure I have had grits with sugar in an establishment and didn't realize it. But I myself have never fixed grits and then thrown like a little teaspoon or a little, and I'm going to assume it's just a dab of sugar. Yeah, just a little bit. Like a little, I remember being a small child and the first time my, God bless her, rest her soul, my grandmother would put sugar over her frosty flakes in her cereal, she would get the cereal, pour the milk, sit down, and if your grannies had the little um, lazy Susan in the middle of their table, it had all the different little things right there, and it was that little bitty bowl that had the little spoon sticking out of it that they would keep sugar on the table, and you'd take the little top off, and then you'd give yourself a little spoonful and put it back on, and I I remember even thinking then, does it need it, granny? <laughs> but apparently... She thought it did, and there you go. So I, I I was trying to rack my brain to think, did my grandmother do that with grits? But grits was never that big of a staple in our home, our breakfast home. It was always we were more um, biscuits or pancakes kind of people, not so much um, grits. But some of you definitely are and are very passionate about the whole sugar in your grits thing. And apparently these two family members are as well. I can imagine, though, if you were very particular and then you get served it, I would think more so the salt and pepper way if you're not used to pepper being in your in your grits and you got a bowl and there were little, the little black things. I think it could go either way, though. Like if you've only ever known or grown up with sweetened grits, then when somebody hands you a savory grit dish like shrimp and grits, it's going to be like, you're going to be looking at it like, oh, what is what is this? What is this? Because if you're used to it being sweet and you're seeing the shrimp and grits, you're thinking, well, you don't put shrimp in a pie. You don't put shrimp in cake. What What is this? There's a place in New Orleans, per the text line, that has grits that taste like a vanilla milkshake. Best ever. They're trying to think of the name of it. Maybe Red Slipper. The Ruby Slipper? The Ruby Slipper. Maybe that's the name of the, of the restaurant. But, I mean, so... You're, that is pushing my boundaries of what – so I I guess when I think of grits, close my eyes and think of a little girl as grits, I can get seeing a little, little sugar in it maybe. 
but it's always had butter or cheese along with it, like or yellow, like yellow. I think of yellow grits, not just um, plain white grits. So the idea of being able to take that and turn it into some form of milkshake. Now you're pushing my boundaries of what I feel like is possible, like should be possible for our grits, because I am bringing along with it what I associate with grits, which is. It's butter and cheesy. And so I don't want that with my vanilla milkshake unless it's on a burger and the milkshake is separate. But that's the cool part. I guess grits is more of a empty slate, culinary slate, than we give it credit for because we automatically assume it's going to have butter or cheese or, I guess, or sugar in it. And so that sets the stage for it being – you've already added something. And I guess you've been at it, then it's plain. It's plainer than we give it credit for. And I can see why people might be a little turned off to having sweeter grits because a lot of people, or at least from my experience, you look at the the two mushy breakfast meals as being on opposite sides of the fence. You got oatmeal, which is usually sweetened. Yes. And then you got grits, which, which if you have savory. sweetened oatmeal, you'd make savory grits. Yeah, and I think that's the house I grew up in, or that's the mindset that I sort of grew up in. Jeff in Oxford, grits with butter and molasses. I don't know. I mean, I see molasses. You could put butter and molasses in oatmeal, and I'd be like, that would be amazing. But, like, I guess I don't know what it is about, like, me not being able to see that with, I'm not saying it wouldn't be good. It's just hard for me to like want to do that in my own kitchen. Grits with mustard, hot sauce, salt and pepper, Isabel says. I could see that because I guess I lend more towards grits savory, being grits. Sa- savory grits. I completely threw my daughter for a loop the other day. My dad was uh, at our home for Father's Day, and he taught me growing up that you would take a biscuit with a piece of cheese and a sausage or bacon, and you would put mustard instead of, like, a jam or a jelly in it oh, and sort yeah. of eat it that way. And so I go both ways. I can have the jelly, but if I have all of those components together, like the cheese changes it. The cheese changes it to being to giving the door open for the mustard. But she looked at us like we had four eyes and from a different planet. I was like, I have failed you, young child. See, I'm a big proponent of, of mustard on breakfast sausage yes. with or without the cheese. Absolutely. Someone said oatmeal, yuck. That's a whole nother. You're usually team oatmeal or team grits. You're really not both a fan of both. But if you are, like you mentioned, you're a fan of sweet oatmeal and you're a fan of savory grits. I, when like. I think of those kind of like oatmeal grits the one that i think of and think yuck is cream of wheat but see that's what i think of when i start thinking about like putting sugar and stuff in grits i I guess i'm associating it with it being this kind of i've never had a bowl of cream of wheat that i enjoyed i don't yeah i don't know either all right we're gonna put a pin in this conversation we're gonna talk about something cool chainsaws (laughs) coming up next Making your afternoon just a little brighter. It's Good Things with Rebecca Turner on Super Talk Mississippi. 
to good things. Don't forget, you can watch us on your computer, your mobile device. Just head on over to supertalktv.com. But if you want to see Daniel Height doing his thing at the Eupora Chainsaw and Art Festival, you'll have to go there in August. But he's joining us today to talk a little bit more about, I guess, artwork with chainsaws, which I think is so cool. Hey, Daniel. Hey, how you doing, Rebecca? I'm doing well, and I'm looking over at supertalktv.com, the great photo you sent of you standing next to, I guess, a carve, uh, carving of Bully out of a – what kind of tree was that that you carved Bully out of with a chainsaw? That was cypress. That was cypress. How big was that when it started? Like, how big was the, the log? Uh, the log was about 36 inches in, uh, in diameter and about 8 foot tall. See, that ain't no, like, twigs you messing with there, Daniel, and you're using chainsaws. So I've got it. Okay, so back up. How did you, when did this all get started for you? When did you learn that you could use a chainsaw as an instrument and wood as sort of your medium to create art? Well, first of all, Rebecca, I'd I'd like to thank you for having me on the show. And uh, I started about 10 years ago, but I've always been involved in one form of art or another, and what better way to create art than a chainsaw? So I got a hold of a chainsaw and I just tried it out and I liked it. And uh associated myself with a you know, a bunch of carvers around the country and stuff and learned from them and eventually uh it took off. I would say it took off. You're pretty dang talented there, Daniel. And I don't think of everyday people think, hey, I'm feeling creative today. I'm going to go take my chainsaw and see what I can make out of it. Did you, like, I guess, what what would they call it? Like whittling? Like, would you carve out of smaller pieces with maybe like a knife or something else? Or did you just go straight to the chainsaw? No, I'm straight with power tools. I like the, I like the chainsaws. It's uh, it's quick and efficient, and uh, you know I have I have probably fifteen saws all together, and each one of them are different. And uh, you know it's 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 a fast, effective way to get results. And uh, and over the last 25, 20, 20, 25 years, you know, chainsaw carving has come a long ways. Back when I started. You know, the detail and the and the techniques was nowhere close to what they are today. And now it's a worldwide art form. Which, so, if you're looking, you go, there's just no way that that was done with a chainsaw. But yet you you absolutely have done them with that, too. They can go to your Facebook page, Big Creek Chainsaw Carving, and look through some of the photos. And they're just absolutely you know, breathtaking, the detail in it. Does that come from smaller chainsaws? Your 15 chainsaws, are they different sizes to do different things? Yeah. Uh, yes, ma'am. I, I use uh, various size saws. And uh, the like I say, you know, since chainsaw carving took off uh, worldwide, a lot of the dealers are, are coming out with new new bars for chainsaws. And it's carver bar, carving bars. And they uh they have different types type tips on them and their various chains and stuff like that to make it easier to get some of the finer details and uh, uh like that and you know a, a typical chainsaw bar is you know eighteen to thirty six inches and stuff like that and it's got a it's got a large tip on it you can do a lot of blocking out you know which is which is getting your shape your basic shape in a carving 
But when it comes to doing fur and texture and stuff like that, you have to have these finer bars. You know, uh, we call it a quarter tip, a dime tip, and all that, which you can get in there and get some really fine details in the wood with that. Which makes it look very lifelike. A lot of your animals look like very, like more like sculptures out of clay or something, you know, that, uh, that had, I guess, well, I mean, a softer medium than, than wood. Cause you think of wood too, not being sort of, uh, able to mold in the way that you would want it to. And, but you can do that with a chainsaw. So when you get an order, or I assume you do, or you have an, an idea strikes you, how do you start your process? Because, I mean, obviously finding the wood. So where do you get your wood? And then, and walk us through kind of how, you know, the sculpture comes from from the log. Okay. Uh, usually when a, when somebody approaches me wanting a scul- uh, sculpture or something, uh, I'll take, for, for example, one of the most unique projects I've been on is a project I did for the U.S. Forestry Service. And there was a tree that had been blown down by a hurricane that was estimated at 261 years old. And it was that it was on the national register as the, uh, one of the country's largest magnolia trees. So they wanted to preserve some of that tree. So they took the limb off that tree, which was 36 inches in diameter and, and brought it to me and everything. So I have the log and what, you know, I get an idea of what, what a person wants. And then I, I start, you know, I start blocking it out. Uh, I don't use, um, I use diagrams. Mostly, you know, you're talking about the realism and stuff like that. I mostly use, you know, real life uh, pictures and, and stuff like that to try to get as accurate as I can. Now, I, I like to do realism. A lot of carvers do, you know, do do animated, you know, characters and stuff like that. But, you know, I mostly like to stay with the realism. But uh, I did a large smoky out of this magnolia tree and everything, so it, it turned out really nice. What was the very first thing that you carved out of wood with your chainsaw? The first thing I carved out of wood was an eagle, and it looked like a chicken. And uh, when I first got started, and as a, you know, as I was learning and stuff like that on different techniques, like I said, and uh, you know, it, it just came. You know, it just started developing and stuff like that. But the first thing I ever caught was an eagle. So what will you be doing at the Eupora Chainsaws and Art Festival that's coming up August 9th through the 12th? Well, um, I appreciate uh, Janet and Mary McCullum for uh, for inviting us. And this is going to be wonderful. It's one of the state, uh, the only state competition that we have and everything. I'm really excited about it. But... The way I understand it, after talking to Miss Janet, is that we're going to have some speed cars there, which we'll take a piece and we'll have up to an hour to carve something out of that. But the main piece will be a masterpiece, which will take three days in developing a masterpiece and stuff. And I'd, I'd really like that to be a surprise. But, uh, you can I keep it a surprise. It. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I haven't even told Janet what we're going to do up there yet, but, uh, and everything. We've talked about a few things and, uh, but I would like to, uh, I would like to just keep that as a surprise and everything. But I do specialize. I will tell you that I specialize in wildlife and, uh, I like to do something, something real large and, you know, uh, nice for them.
How long does it normally take you, like your masterpiece, Daniel, or if someone commissions a piece? How long does it usually get you? Does it take you to uh, get the sculpture from beginning to end? Usually about two to three days, uh, depending on depending on the detail and stuff, and, and usually about two to three days, and that's eight hour days. Wow, is this your full time gig, Daniel? Do you do chainsaw art? Is that is that what feeds you? No, I don't do it full time. I, 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 well, I, I say I don't do it full time. I do. <laughs> I spend about forty hours a week in it, so I guess that is. But I do have a side job. Um, but I, I commit as much time, you know, during the weekend on weekends as I can to it. If somebody was interested in this, because I, I feel like somebody else out there probably thinks, maybe I would have a hand at this. I mean, where do you even go to try it out? Because that would be terrifying, too, just to crank up your chainsaw and get going. But maybe that's what you do. Is there somewhere you would send them or connect with you? Or how do you learn more about the art? Well, first thing, they have to be safe with a chainsaw. And uh, I recommend that they come to the event and watch the carvers, see if that's something that they like are interested in and and stuff and they can uh i've mentored people myself and uh, i'd love to see more carvers in mississippi and uh you know i'm willing to mentor and i have mentored uh area you know people around the area and everything uh, and uh like i say i just love to see you know more interest i mean there's a lot of interest in it but you know it just take it takes a little talent and, uh, you know, and commitment and stuff. But, uh, you know, once, you know, once you get started, it's addictive. I would, I could see, I could see that. To me, it would be fascinating, um, to watch. Which, are you going to be there all the days, August 9th, 10th, 11th, and 12th? Or is there a specific day that you'll be there, Daniel? I plan on getting up there Monday and spending the first couple days just setting up and, and doing some pieces. Um, and then the event, I believe, starts on Wednesday, and that's when we'll start, you know, uh, doing our starting on our masterpiece and stuff like that. Well, I encourage people, Daniel, to follow you at Big Creek Chainsaw Carving. You're from SoSo, Mississippi, and best of luck to you. We're actually going to learn more about the festival coming up next. So thanks for your time, Daniel. All right. Thank you so much, Rebecca. Appreciate you having us. All right. You guys stick with us. We'll learn more about Eupora Chainsaws and Art Festival coming up next. Rebecca Turner. She looks healthy and sane. Good Things with Rebecca Turner continues on Super Talk Mississippi. Back to good things. Don't forget, we are streaming live over at supertalk.fm. We're also streaming from the Supertalk Mississippi app. And of course, you can always find us on your local Supertalk Mississippi radio station. But you'll have to go to Eupora for the Chainsaw and Arts Festival, which is coming up in August. And here to tell us a little bit more about it and the impact on its town is Mayor Blake McCullen and Janet Cook, who's Eupora in Economic Development. So welcome, y'all. Good afternoon. 
All right, Blake, I'm going to start with you as mayor of Eupora. First, if we're not good with our geography, where is your where is your town? Uh, we're, located, we're located 30 minutes west of Starville and about an hour south of Oxford. And thank you for having us on Good Things, Rebecca, because we have a lot of good things in Eupora, Mississippi right now. You do, and you've got a great event coming up. So what does this event mean for Eupora every year? These events... Um, help our city so much in keeping our property taxes and our citizens happy because we've when i got elected two years ago i wanted to bring 500 visitors to town and the impact that you can see on these events that we're having like bands playing uh we'll have a freedom festival july the 4th where we shoot fireworks and we just had 19 teams and all-stars there last weekend and uh that made an impact of 130,000 extra dollars in our city budget through sales tax revenue, and we're 30000 ahead of where we were last year. So we're looking for a good year again. Well, Janet, I feel like this may be part of your brainchild as being the um, with the Chainsaw and Arts Festival. We were just talking to Daniel. He said he'd been talking to you about maybe what he's going to create out of some wood. Now, I know you're not going to give that away, but how did the... Uh, I know. Yeah, we don't want you to give away any secrets. Folks need to come out and see it. But how did this idea of a chainsaw and art festival get talked about about being in Eupora? Okay, so I moved here a couple years from Colorado, and I joined his team being leading economic development. And he had said, and some of the uh, board also, we need something that event could tie into Eupora, that when you think of Eupora, what is it that you stand out? And so this makes perfect sense. Because you have all these trees. And this, as Daniel said, this is the only kind of event in the whole state of Mississippi. We're actually on a world Google map of chainsaw events. This is a competition, and we're the only one in Mississippi. And we have been mentored by Frederick, Colorado, which is they're doing their chuck wagon and chainsaw event next month. So they've helped us, you know, do all the laying out. We've turned, we've kind of maybe, um, how do I say? Uh, drafted the plan that fits for your poor. But we're excited. It's a free public event. Where do you go that, like this? You're going to meet carvers from uh, not only Mississippi, Daniel, but also we have somebody flying in from the United Kingdom, Michigan, Arkansas, Tennessee, New Mexico. It's four days, so it gives the carvers enough time because, you know, it's going to be hot in August. So it's going to give people a chance to come in and they can watch. They'll be able to purchase um, their own carving because they'll be bringing their own inventory. Plus, we'll have two quick carve um, kind of competitions, and those will be auctioned off to the public. And what Daniel was referring to is that the main masterpieces, which will be like eight feet tall and really fat, those masterpieces will stay with you for us. So that's going to be known as art in public places. So we'll be working with the mayor and our arts council of that. But we're really excited. I mean, this is just unbelievable. I think it's really cool. And, Blake, when you start thinking about bringing people into Eupora, as you mentioned, as part of your mission, I mean, having a multi-day festival does just that. Did you ever think that you would have chainsaw artists from the United Kingdom coming to Eupora, Mississippi, to show off their talents? We had no idea. About a year ago... We put in a sewer system in our campground, and we we listed it online. We're getting people from Arkansas, Arizona, Kansas are coming and staying weeks in Newport, Mississippi. And this is another great thing because of a four-day event. Where are you going to stay in Newport, Mississippi? So we've already rented out five out of our 11 camp spots, and we have two that live there, uh, you know, at 30 days at a time. 
And it is just so exciting. When Janet first mentioned this chainsaw carving, I said, who's going to carve this stuff? And then we started getting applications from New Mexico, Tennessee, Michigan, and then the U.K. came in. And it, it is going to be unbelievable. The buzz around town is is un, it's unbelievable. So, Janet, if folks are listening, and obviously we encourage visiting Mississippi all the time here on Good Things. I mean, get out, go see a new town, take the take the camper, spend a long weekend. But maybe you just want to come in for the main event or or maybe sprinkle in throughout um, throughout the four-day event. Is there somewhere you can go and see the lineup or sort of get an idea of what's going to be going on? Um, kind of rephrase it because it's going to be four days. And so, um, like, it'll start Wednesday. Wednesday and Thursday is going to be kind of relaxed. There's not going to be quite food vendors, so we'll encourage people to, you know, use our restaurants and things like that. But Friday night and then all day Saturday, we'll have vendors, we'll have food trucks, we'll have many different kind of uh, events, including the chainsaw. And what's important for the public to hear is that you get to vote for which which masterpiece gets first place, second place, and third place. These are cash prizes that go to these uh, carvers. So where will the so main ones be put up? You mentioned public art, which I think is is a great idea. So many other towns have their, their swans or they have their, you know, um, guitars, and they have all the different things around town. And this can be you guys' sort of thing that stands out in public art. Where will they be placed around town? We don't know yet, Rebecca, because what happens is that, as Daniel said, they'll look at a piece of wood, and they'll actually go and visualize what they want to make, and they get to name the actual masterpiece. And then our our nonprofit, our economic development, will work with the Arts Council, which is a nonprofit we partner with, and the mayor, and we'll figure out where's the appropriate place to put that piece of art. And once we do, it'll be bolted down, and we'll... We'll actually have on our city website art and public places that where people will be able to come. And we'll do this next year, and we'll have more masterpieces. Blake, have you ever uh, picked up a chainsaw and thought to yourself, maybe I should make a bear out of something? I have not. My brother's probably laughing right now when you said uh, chainsaw because I am not an outdoors kind of person. I'm a computer guy. And uh, I I don't know about where all we're going to place them, but I know – uh, my impact is going to be where the home of the Upar Eagles, and I want a huge eagle flying right over City Hall by the end of this event. And I think some one of those guys will carve me out a Upar Eagle. Well, you know, Daniel did say, and this is just speculation, that he was, you know, good at animals, and then he was also thinking of doing something big. So maybe Daniel will be will be your guy to get you the eagle for that, which I think will be really cool. I think it's just going to be a really fun event. Um, Blake, though, if people, maybe August is already um, booked for them, but they're thinking, hey, you pour up for the first time to take a long weekend during the months of July or August. I heard campers. What all do you have there for? for weekend getaways in terms of making you pour a stop um, on our summer vacation? Yeah, we have a beautiful 300-acre lake in the city of Eupora. It has a lot of crappie fishing and bass fishing. We just had a 4-H tournament there about three weeks ago. 25 kids competed. Um, you can follow the news for Eupora. is on Eupora News on Facebook. And then if you want some drama in your life, you can join my Facebook page, Mayor Blake McMullen, because I keep the crowd rolling. <laughs> well, I I feel like, you know, shining a light on our smaller towns is always a good thing. And, Janet, I mean, kudos to you for sort of bringing this idea. But I know it takes the entire town of Uport to get around, uh, to get behind it to make this um, a success. So y'all must be pretty busy here getting to the last couple of weeks before the main event. 
uh, it takes a lot of great uh, sponsors and, and, and everything. And then also there's a lot of volunteers we need and a lot of people are stepping up. And the mayor is the cheerleader, so he does quite a bit. So we're really excited about this. And this event's going on rain or shine because they can always cut those masterpieces. Well, maybe they have to have a taller tent, but they're used <laughs> to that. They're used to they're that. They're used to cutting. Yeah. It's definitely something you won't get to see just anywhere else, as you meant it, uh, as you mentioned, Janet. So remind us, it's free. We don't need tickets. But if we want to nope. uh, see timing or, or I guess, the days, where do we go for that? It's going to be at Spud's Stenham Park in Eupora. And if you go to uh, Facebook or to com, it has all the information. It's August 9th, which is a Wednesday, through August 12th on a Saturday. And, um, you know, we have a schedule online and everything like that. Like, again, it's free. Uh, we have it posted on Eventbrite. We have it posted. We have a Facebook ad going right now. We're going to have some more other big. We'll hope to have more TV coverage, more radio coverage. Uh, and as you can imagine, this is a huge, huge logistical event. There's so many working parts that you have to do. But it's going to be great. I feel like it's going to be great. There's going to be beautiful art at the end of it that's just unique to Eupora. And folks need to come out and visit and get to know your town and see what all the good you've got. So, Mayor Blake, uh, kudos for all that you're doing there to get your 500 uh, visitors. I think you're going to have a little bit more than that at some point to come out and see these really cool masterpieces. So I appreciate all of your time. Bring them on. Thank you, Rebecca. <laughs> all right. You guys stick with us. we got more for you coming up next. You just want attention You don't want my heart Maybe you just hit that button on me with someone new Yeah, you just want attention And I knew from the start You're just making sure I never get it over you Over you Rebecca Turner. She's smart and pretty. Good Things with Rebecca Turner continues on Super Talk Mississippi. Good things. We are on computer and mobile device. You can watch it on Roku, Amazon Fire TV devices. You can even find good things on YouTube. And if you've got C Spire TV, you've got that on channel 70 right next to the Weather Channel, which says we are hot. That's about all it's going to say about that. You can also catch good things in podcast form wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget, too, about our Super Talk Mississippi news team. They are covering your Mississippi story. So if you want to stay up to date, sign up for the free weekly newsletter. You can do that over at supertalk.fm slash newsletter. And who knows, it may help you recognize you won some money because there's a great uh, article today about Mississippi Lottery Awards over $500,000 in second chance drawings. So it's not very often in life we get second chances, but you can in the Mississippi Lottery. So several non-winning tickets from Monday 
night's second chance promotional drawing by the Mississippi Lottery have turned into big winnings for 10 players located throughout the state. So that could be you. So you need to go to supertalk.fm, click on the link, and you can scroll down and see all 10 places and see if you are part of like a second chance. I don't know which would be, well, I know which would be better, probably better to win the big jackpot, but that feeling of, oh man, I didn't win. And then you recognize, ah, hot dog. I got Unless a second in a chance. Fit of rage after not winning the first no. time, you threw it away. Yeah, don't do that. Don't, don't, don't ever do that until you've. So does every? So I know with the lottery, I know as much as I've learned here on Super Talk because still to this day I have never played. I have never paid to play the lottery or scratch offs. But you can pay the extra dollar, right? Is that or that maybe the pick five or whatever it is um, to. I guess up your winnings if you win, correct, if I'm wrong. But with the second chance, does everybody go into the second chance drawing? I think you have to sign up for it. Okay. So you have to you so you know if you went for the second chance opportunity. Okay. So not as just anybody. You know if that, if you sort of fall into that. So hopefully if you know that you fell into that, you would not toss your ticket. Until you knew whether you had a second, a second chance or not. You know, they should, they should just like hoard all that and then like every six to eight weeks do like a third chance. You know, just get those folks, you know, another, what? You know, it's three strikes you're out. Why not? Well, I mean, they are in the business of trying to get you to buy more of these things. Oh, folks are buying plenty, right? Not me, but you probably are. And I, I get it now when I, to me, the, the real stories are the ones who it's first time playing and hit the jackpot. And then you're like, wow, that's lucky. But some, you know, you may have a dysfunctional relationship with the lottery and there's help for that. But some of you just enjoy it too. It's your thing that you like to do and it's a few dollar thrill and, um, there's nothing wrong with that. I finally found the FAQ on the lottery website here. It says, after successfully registering and logging in, you can view the scratch-off games eligible for the second chance promotional drawings. To enter a drawing, enter the codes of your non-winning scratch-off ticket identified on the entry page, and samples of the required ticket information will appear on the enter ticket screen. Promotional drawings are held as determined by the lottery. Ah, there you go. I do, and I was going to say, no, I'm going to say I know of, and then you're going to be like, well, who are they, Rebecca? I'm like, I don't remember their name. But there is somebody out there, I don't know if it's on TikTok or one of the platforms, but what they do is supposedly help you figure out which scratch-off games are more likely to win than others based on how many tickets are sold, the prize it like I don't I'll, math they math I don't know is that is that considered that can't be considered cheating because this person has millions of people who follow them already so it's just using logic and math right and so they give it not they give free advice it's not like you're going to Vegas and betting on it they just sort of right. hand out what their predictions are for each state and then people obviously can do what they need to do off of that. I feel like I feel like I'm doing something wrong. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think it's cheating, but there, there's nothing against the rules for using math. Like if you go to a casino and you're playing blackjack, there's nothing against any rule or law for you to use your brain and calculate the odds of your hand. Gotcha. What you can't do is, especially in a casino setting, you cannot use 
a calculator or a hidden computer or team up with other people. It has to be you and your Start brain. Start giving like baseball sideline codes for different things. Wiggle year for a king. Now, if you do have a brain, a beautiful mind that can go into the casino and calculate everything to the point where you're winning a lot, you still may be asked to leave, but not because you were quote unquote cheating. They just don't want you there anymore. They'd rather you take your but, business elsewhere. Well, is that not that's not fair though, is it? It's their establishment. Well, I don't like that. <laughs> <laughs> and Lucas and Union said it's on TikTok. I don't know the name. I'm not on TikTok, but I did see it happen. If you if you want to figure that out, but stick with us. We got more for you coming up next. You got the boys with sports talk from three to six. Rhino and I'll meet you back here tomorrow at two. But until then, I hope you all find time for the good things. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.